Nablad refers back to someone's home or their home country in Arabic. I went to Nablad when I was around 10, and I haven't gone back since. Welcome to episode 1 of my society project for Miss, Miss Mazzola's AP World History. In this project, I will be interviewing those closest to me about current social issues, asking them what issues are most important to them, what they do in response, and more in relation. For the first episode, I will be interviewing my parents. My dad was forced out of Palestine but continued to stay in the Middle East for a good portion of his life. My mom was mainly raised in America but went to school for a bit in Palestine. This is why I was, this is why I'm assuming that the social issue we will be focusing on and on is the genocide currently happening in Palestine. Both my parents have been personally affected by the Israel, Israeli occupation in Palestine. Hello, Mama. Hello, Susu. This interview is for uh, my society project in history. I'm recording. Okay. My teacher will be hearing this. Okay. What social issues do you care about? Social issues do I care about? I care about the environment. Mm-hmm. I care about the um, gender pay gap. Yes. I care about um, systematic racism in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I care that uh, we don't have uh, health or medical coverage for all people. I believe in um, there should be a one-payer system where everyone's covered by the government for health expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just things like that. Mm-hmm. What social issues are most Im- most important to you and why? Like, yeah, one that's really important. One of the most important ones. Um, I feel like the environment is one of my most important ones just because mm-hmm. if there, if we don't do something about it, there will be no, no place for us to live to worry about all the other problems. So I feel like it's the one that's um, probably the biggest. I mean, I know that, um, you know, well, you can't worry about the environment. They say, if, you know, you can't make enough money to eat or you don't have health care, you mm-hmm. know, for your, you know, to, you know, if, if your immediate needs are not met. And I totally get that. Um, and I, I totally see that point. But um, I guess from my, from where I'm sitting at uh, in my life, the probably the most important one for me is the environment just because I worry about what we're leaving our kids and where they where what's the conditions that, that they're going to have to live in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest I'm kind of surprised I thought you were handling Palestine oh Palestine yeah well um you didn't say international I said social issues social I thought you meant like within the United States sorry um, if we're talking worldwide, yes. global, global social issues. Global social issues. Yeah, I would say Palestine's high, high up on my my most important, especially these days, with all the problems that are happening happening there and all the conflict that's happening right now. So yeah, definitely, um, Palestine for me personally is, you know, if we're talking internationally, I would say it's one of the most important things, um, because people there are fighting right now just to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, people there are, are fighting just to have basic human rights, just to mm-hmm. be treated 
like normal citizens in their own country. Mm -hmm. People are fighting to get back to their lands that they were, you know, displaced from many, many years ago. So, um, yeah, that I would say that is number one. If we're talking internationally, mm -hmm. I would say globally, that is my number one. And mm -hmm. then number two would be the environment. Yes. Uh, what do you do in response, uh, you know, to like help out for this issue? Well, for I try to provide, I try to um, contribute money to causes and groups that um, help the people who are living within Palestine right now. Mm -hmm. um, I try to um, help them you know, provide money because I, I'm not there, so I can't really do much, but I feel like I want to, um, enable the people who live there mm -hmm. to continue to fight for the cause and just really to survive. I mean, a lot of people there, it's so bad that people can't even, um, work, you know, the Palestinian people don't even have an economy to speak of. They can't even work. They're dependent on the Israeli government to a lot of people to, be able to work within Israel whenever they want to stop them from going, they stop them from going so that they don't get paid. They don't, they can't provide to, for their children, for their families, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, to help the people there just to survive and to help with, with the cause. And then also globally, I try to give to groups that, um, are also helping the Palestinian cause, you know, in mm -hmm. different places, whether they be in Canada, United States, Europe, wherever I try to, um, try to, provide you know funding for that whenever i can i mean i'm not wealthy but whatever i can spare i try to give mm -hmm. people uh how does it play a role in your daily life well it is it's important to me in my daily life actually you'd be surprised um, people think oh it's all the way over there but you know i have family there mm -hmm. i have loved ones there um, my parents um, live most of the year there um, i have property there um, i have you know aunts and, and cousins and stuff that live there and uncles um mm -hmm. and so this impacts their daily life and so when i see things on the news and i read the news every day every day i'm seeing what what's happening to my people over there and it's not just my people as a general but also my people as in my family mm -hmm. so um on a daily basis i'm i it impacts my life it, on a daily basis it brings me down it makes me sad it makes me worried it makes me anxious um so yeah mm-hmm what do you think about this issue? How does it make you feel? I mean, kind of already explained that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, anxious, sad, um, bitter. Yeah. Bitter because uh, people don't seem to care about my people's cause and what my people are going through. But um, other people who, let's say, are a little less um, foreign or um, brownish, <laughs> yeah, uh, they get all kinds of attention to their causes and everything. I'm not saying that those people don't deserve the attention that they get. Sure, they do. All all people who are being um, victimized deserve people to stand up for them. But I don't like the way it is. Um, some pe some victims are put above other victims, and other victims are just ignored or even treated as if they are the cause of their own problem mm -hmm. when they are not, mm -hmm. because they don't fit the certain mold of what Western world considers civilized and deserving of um, care mm -hmm. and consideration. Um, uh, what effect does this have on you? How have you personally been affected? Probably like kind of going back to how like it impacts your family and stuff. It, it does. It impacts my family in the sense that, okay, when my parents want to come visit me. So they have to, my parents are in their um, late 60s, early 70s. 
So just for my parents to come visit me, they have to go through, it takes them uh, like, I would say eight hours just to get to the nearest airport because of borders and bridges and checkpoints. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is for people who are old, not in their best health and everything. They're not the strongest people. So just having my parents come to visit me is a stressful situation because the whole time I'm trying to monitor where are they and what's happening to them. And at any time, anything can happen to them at any checkpoint, at any bridge that they're going over at any time, mm -hmm. uh, at any part of their trip. So, um, so things, just simple things, you know, my parents, they want, if they want to go pray in Jerusalem, I have to worry about them, you know, do, are they going to get uh, past the checkpoint? If they will, will they encounter any problems when they get to the mosque in Jerusalem, that kind of thing. So um, I worry about my family all the time and not just my parents. I have, like I said, my, my aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff like if any of them try to go, you know, and if any of them need to travel, if they, also like, you know, um, like how do they make a living? You know, the younger people, my cousins and stuff, if they want to work, they want to make a living, they want to provide for their families. They struggle to do that. And they're highly educated people, but they struggle to do that because the economy and the system is set up against them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's on a daily basis. I think about these things and on a daily basis, it impacts me because I'm worried about them. How about whenever you like you've gone to Palestine yourself, you know, like have it's you... been a struggle to go to Palestine. Now, I only go every two, three years. Um, and the only reason I only go every two, three years is because it's such a struggle. If it wasn't such a struggle, I probably would go every year to see my family and my, my parents and my relatives more often. But, you know, I mean, you were with me, you saw how it was the last mm -hmm. time we went, um, you know, the checkpoint, it was, we had to walk, we had to, we couldn't, we couldn't get a car to take us from the airport <laughs> yeah. to our side of the, uh, of the country through the checkpoint. I mean, it was an Israeli driver and he refused to take us and he dropped us like, I don't know, a mile away. So we would have had to walk with five big heavy bags a mile and then try to get through the checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were able to flag down a passing car of Palestinian uh, men who were willing to help us and who would, you, they had such a small car, they had to do it in three trips between the bags and all of us to take us across the checkpoint. And it was in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. at night, you know. So we're sitting here 1 a.m., 2 a.m. at night. I'm sitting there with four, with three kids, five bags. Um, trying to get from just trying to get to my to the other side of the checkpoint so my father who's waiting with a car in a car and on the other side of the checkpoint can take us and take us to his home mm -hmm. you know so and um, that put the other guys at risk too because and it put the other and it put the men who helped us at risk because each time they went through the checkpoint there the checkpoint is manned by armed men who at any time can decide that these people are fishy or you know caught trying to cause trouble or whatever and really all they're trying to do is trying to help us to get across the checkpoint to the other side to get to my father. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, they make everything hard. Even at the airport, you know, they question you a thousand times. They ask you the same question over and over again, a thousand times. And then they tell you, they insult you. They add insult to, in, to injury by telling you, we're doing this for your security. When you know that these people could care less about your security, if you died right in front of them, they wouldn't do a thing. If you were like choking on a bone right in front of them, they wouldn't do a thing to help you, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, that's how they feel about you, but they want to tell you, Oh, well, we're asking you all these questions for your security. And, and it's like, you know, just cut the BS, do what you want to do and hurry up and get me through the situation. You know, I don't mm -hmm. need the attitude, the, the stupidity, the, smir the smirkiness, the smirkiness, you know, we don't need that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, everybody knows exactly how you feel about us, yeah. you know, you could care less about our security. You've never cared about our security, yeah. but you want to tell me I'm supposed to believe now that this is for my security. Yeah. Okay. 
So one of the reasons you're so involved is because you are someone personally affected. You know people who are personally affected. Do you think your stance on the issue would change if you were born in a position that you were not personally affected? Well, I might not be as passionate or I might not it might not impact me on a daily basis, mm -hmm. but as just a human being with a normal sense of decency, I have a problem with seeing anybody being uh, deprived of their homeland, being deprived of a chance to live um, a peaceful life, being deprived of a chance to be happy and have and to raise their children in a happy, normal environment. So like, for instance, I like if you look at the Native American um, situation in the United States from way back when the United States was still being built till now, I'm not Native American. I'm not, you know, Navajo or anything like that, but I can look at that and see and feel the anger and hurt on behalf of those people. I can empathize with them, even though it's not happening to me. I it, What happened to them did not happen to me. I mean, let's face it, what's happening in Palestine is pretty close to what happened to them. You know, mm -hmm. it's pretty much that's where it's going. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so I guess I, I guess I, I, I have maybe more empathy than, say, somebody who isn't mm -hmm. with my background. But at the same time, you know, I think that even if I if I didn't have this, I would be a kind of person or I hope that I would be the kind of person who could see somebody being abused and hurt or who has been abused and hurt throughout history mm -hmm. and see that there's something wrong with that. For instance, I'm a person of color, but I'm not black. And when I see how police treat black people, whether it's whether it's just like a simple um, pullover of a, of a, you know, speeding ticket or something like that that ends up, um, you know, with a death. Mm -hmm. Or all kinds, it's just systematic racism against pe uh, people of color, but specifically pe black people the most, you know, the mm -hmm. worst, they get the harshest treatment. Um, and I'm not black, but I can see that that's wrong and I can feel for them and I can empathize with them and I can say that this is, this is wrong and this needs to change. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so in that sense, you know, yeah, it's not, it's, uh, it's, uh, not impacting me. I've never been stopped by a cop and, and had that treatment before. You know, I've been mm -hmm. stopped by cops, but not with that treatment. Um, and I don't usually worry and fear for my life, but I can totally see and empathize with somebody who is a, a African American descent that they would be fearful for their lives mm -hmm. and that they would be uh, in a in a bad situation in that case. You mm -hmm. know, so so I think that regardless, I mean, I feel like I'm one of those people who I feel like my empathy level is high enough that I would be able to. Uh, sympathize and empathize with somebody who's in a bad situation kind of put myself in their position and do what I can to help mm -hmm. that person so like for me um, if I, anytime I can do anything to support the black lives uh, movement anytime I can do anything to support the indigenous Americans uh, um, rights and, and their their causes I do mm -hmm. I, if I can I will you know because even though it doesn't impact me mm -hmm. on a daily basis it's still important mm-hmm um, what stories do you have of Palestine? Do you have more good memories or bad memories of it? Well, since I lived there when uh for two years when I was a teenager, um, I went to middle, yeah, middle school there, um, of two and a half years. I have a lot of good memories. I went to a really good school. Um, you know, I went to some nice field trips, um, that kind of thing. So I have some good memories, and because I'm an American citizen, I was able to go within the parts of Palestine that are now Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was able to see how beautiful my country was, mm -hmm. you know, whereas there are some people who are born and raised in Palestine who can't get to those parts because of checkpoints and stuff like that. Whereas me born and raised here, I could go back and do that. And I, and I was, you know, 
so grateful for that experience. So I have a lot of beautiful um, memories of Philistine. Um, and I have a lot of scary memories of Philistine. I remember when the first um, Intifada uprising happened, hearing gunshots, being in school and hearing gunshots. Uh, Israeli soldiers, um, Israeli occupying forces uh, shooting at demonstrators, shooting rubber bullets, shooting uh, tear grenades. And, and I remember a bunch of demonstrators running into our school and um, asking to be hidden because they were scared that the IOF uh, would, would take them and imprison them just for demonstrating. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a lot of good memories and I have a lot of scary memories. Mm -hmm. And um, regardless of if I, if I had a chance right now to leave everything in this country and go live there and, the, and I knew I can live there peacefully and my children could live there peacefully, I would do it and I would encourage my children to do it and to go take your education, take your experience, take everything and go um, benefit your people. They need you. Mm -hmm. So um, I would do that like just like that, you know, so because I have a lot of good memories and um, I feel my people are good people and my country is a beautiful country. And, um, and I, I mean, yeah, I still feel like I'm American too. This is my country as well, but my, this country doesn't need me as much as that country. Would. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this also has to do when you were being schooled in Palestine. Uh, how did feel, how'd you feel about it in the beginning? Like first, like, you know, first arriving, and did your feelings change towards the end or like, you know? Yeah. So when anytime you go somewhere that's, that's new to you, there's going to be a culture shock, mm -hmm. even if it's your own culture. So when I was, you know, I was born and raised in the United States. I moved to Philistine. I was 14. Sure. I had been there a few summers, you know, in between that time, but this is going to live there, which mm -hmm. is a completely different thing than going to visit there. And yeah, there was some culture shock and I didn't like it at first. Um, I have to say, like, you know, I come from a place where I could watch, you know, I was coming from a place where there was like, you know, at that time, you know, 20 channels on TV. And at any time you could turn on the TV when you're bored and watch something interesting. Over there, there was two channels and they only worked certain times of the day, mm -hmm. you know. So there was a lot of times when you were bored. Oh, if I was bored here, I just pick up a book and read. Over there, well, all the book, most of the books are in Arabic, and I, my Arabic wasn't that great. So there wasn't much English, you know, that I could read mm -hmm. stories and stuff like that. So two of the things I love to do, watching TV and, and reading, I couldn't really do much over there. So mm -hmm. that was a hard thing for me. Um, even some simple things like, okay, in the United States, I could jump in the shower anytime, take a shower, and I'm done. Over there, if I jump in the shower, there's a good chance that the water will cut off when I've got a head full of sh uh, uh, shampoo in my head, mm -hmm. you know, and shampoo's streaking down my eyes. So, and it's happened to me actually a few times when I was there and I would get <laughs> so angry, so angry. So there's a lot of conveniences, things that we take for granted here that are convenient here that they, people there don't have just because the government, the Israeli government there likes to make their people's lives hard. That's the only reason. Mm -hmm. just to make the people miserable and make their lives difficult. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that and it angered me. So first I have the culture shock of, you know, okay, now I'm, I'm in, when, also when you go there, like, okay, I'm, I'm an Arab American here. I'm not American enough over there. I'm not Arab enough. So you have that. So I have to deal with people looking at me like, oh, well, you know, that's, she's an American. Every time I said or did something that, mm -hmm. that they thought was weird or different or, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, she's born and raised in America. What do you expect? You know, mm -hmm. like that. So you got this culture shock thing and then you got added onto it another layer of the fact that, you know, we're in an occupied territory and we're being occupied by another government that wants us to be miserable and does not want us there. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, and they want us to be as miserable and make our life as hard as possible. Yeah. So I have both those things, right? Um, going for me. Um, but re- even with all that, by the time I left, I was sad to leave. Like I yeah. was 16 or about to turn 16. And I was, no, 16, actually, I was 16. I didn't want to go. I really liked it. I liked my home there. I liked my friends there. I liked my school there. Um, mm-hmm. I had, you know, grown accustomed to the the short, shortcomings of it, you know, yeah. the things that I that I couldn't stand. I just got used to it. You know, that's human nature. You, you, know, you yeah. tend to get used to things, you know, you learn to um, find, you know, ways to put up with it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that's how I felt about it. Can oh wait if you would clear if you could clarify anything on the topic what would you say like as if like the whole world was hearing you right now i would say um you know people always like to say well there's two sides to both stories uh no there's no two sides to the story as far as i'm concerned right as far as i'm concerned i can trace my ancestry back to those lands thousands of years Mm -hmm. okay my father was born and raised there. My mother was born and raised there. All right. My grandfather, my great grandfathers, my grand grandmothers, all of those born and raised there. I can trace my lineage there. Okay. I deserve to be there. My children deserve to be there. My children can trace their lineage there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are people who have never stepped foot. They couldn't trace their lineage there back there a hundred years, much less thousands of years. Okay. And they are allowed to go there just because they're Jewish. And I am not allowed to go there and live there, okay, because I am Palestinian, all right? You could be somebody from New York, never ever heard of Israel, never ever, not even be a, that religious Jew, okay? And you can just say one day, get up and say, you know what, I don't want to live here anymore, I want to go to Israel. And they'll let you in, and they'll give you citizenship, and they'll probably give you the land of somebody that they stole, okay, Palestinian persons that they stole, okay? And you can do that, all right? But I, or my children... Who can trace our lineage back thousands of years cannot. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not a two side, that's no two sort, and there's two sides to that. I don't care if you think that your God promised you the land because you're a chosen people. That is not my problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is not my problem that you supposedly were chosen. Okay. God chose you for my land. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. All right. And then when there's conflicts over there and people die, if Israelis die, everybody's got this, oh, poor Israelis. But when the Palestinians die by the droves, nobody cares. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like a, if, if they would be more upset if they saw a dog shot in the street than when they see a Palestinian shot in the street. But an Israeli soldier armed to the teeth or an Israeli settler armed to the teeth dies, then it's those savage Palestinians. No, those savage Palestinians are fighting for their people and fighting for their land. They're and they're themselves. defending themselves. The savage Palestinians are defending themselves with rocks and Molotov cocktails. And when the Ukrainians do it, they're heroes and they're brave. When we do it, we're savages and uncivilized. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're doing it against people who are, who are highly armed. They have the backing of the uh, biggest military in the United States. They get billions of dollars from the United States. Their military is armed by the United States. They got all the best weapons. And we got rocks and Molotov cocktails. Okay, and we've got little kids standing up to tanks with a rock, facing down tanks with a rock. All right, but we're not brave, we're savages. Okay, but when a Ukrainian does it or somebody white does it somewhere, wow, the bravery. There's no two sides to this story. There is right and there is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is it. And that's what I would tell everybody. 
Now, this is about, these questions are kind of more focused on culture. Mm -hmm. How would you feel if I started wearing the hijab, consistently, consistently praying five times a day, fluent in Arabic? Uh, if maybe, you were? Yeah. Wow, that would be my dream come true. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't wear the hijab, so I've never pushed my daughters to wear the hijab, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I think about wearing the hijab all the time. And I would like mm -hmm. that to be something my daughters think about all the time, okay? Because I believe in it. The only reason I don't wear it is I think that it'll make my life miserable here. <laughs> in the sense that I'm, it was going to do the opposite of what I feel like it should do. You're supposed to be modest. You know, people, you're supposed to hide your beauty, that kind of thing. And so people don't, don't look at you just for what you're wearing, mm -hmm. right? Or how you look. I feel like over here, then that's all people are going to do is be looking at me for how I look and what I'm wearing, right? Mm -hmm. Even so, I feel like, you know, as a as a Muslim, it would be nice to represent and wear it regardless, mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of say, look, I don't care if you think that I look weird. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if it makes you feel uncomfortable. This is who I am. I'm going to wear it, right? Mm -hmm. So I would love if my daughters could do that, but I would don't expect them to when I don't have the guts to do it, you yeah. know, or the willingness to put up with all the hassle of what it's going to bring to me. Mm -hmm. So, but if my daughters came, I would support them and tell them to do it. I plan to do it someday. I'm hoping to do it someday soon. Mm -hmm. So if my daughters were wanted to do that, I would definitely support them in it. Um, and then regardless of that, that's separate. Um, the praying thing, the fasting, all that, that's something you should be doing regardless. Okay. That's something that's between you and God, mm -hmm. you know, that's your relationship with God. So you should be praying five times a day. You should be fasting during Ramadan. You know, you mm -hmm. should give to your alms. That's, you know, if you make money, like right now, you just got a job. You make money. If you're not spending that money on the money that's been saved, you need to, you need to give alms of 2.4%. That was 2.5. Your dad told me 2.4, but we'll have to check into that. So, so mm -hmm. that's, you know, those are things like, you know, the five pillars of Islam, you should be following them, mm -hmm. right? And if you could speak Arabic, that would be great. Why? Because that puts you more in touch with your culture and mm -hmm. it puts you more in touch with your religion because our religion was brought down in Arabic. Okay. Yeah. So, so it may, helps you to, if you were fluent in Arabic, you would understand your religion better. You would understand your culture better. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is so much beautiful music and poetry in, uh, in Arabic culture. It's, it's, it's all in Arabic, but you wouldn't get the gist of like probably 5% of it with your level of Arabic. Mm -hmm. I probably get 50% of the gist of it with my mm -hmm. level of Arabic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you knew that, that would be great. I mean, I, I would say that would be the greatest thing. If you guys could work on that, that would be wonderful. I encourage you to do that and I would support it and I would do whatever I can to help you to get to there. Well, mom, here's the opposite. Mm -hmm. How would you feel if I got piercings or a tattoo, start drinking, eat pork, quit Devka, bend into slam? What would you think if I totally just disregarded my culture? I would be very, very disappointed for many reasons. Um, one for like the most important reason it would be your um your you know your soul like your salvation right mm -hmm. i mean because i believe in islam right it's not just a a thing it's something i truly believe in i believe you need to um you know believe in the prophet muhammad believe in his message i believe you need to pray to god and you know i, I believe you need to believe in one god um and that god has said you know your body's a temple mm -hmm. do not Put, make changes to your body that are not within the natural like that wouldn't happen naturally mm -hmm. so tattoos very strange piercings i mean we get our ears pierced and stuff like that but i don't think that that's you know but if you were like totally pierced everywhere tattoos are definitely a sin 
um, what you put in your body, alcohol, pork, there's reasons why we don't, God told us not to stay away from those things, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, and, and science has constantly come up with showing us that those reasons are correct, you know? So, um, I, would I be very disappointed? Yes, I'd be very disappointed. I'd worry about your, your salvation, frankly, your immortal soul, um, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and I, I would do everything that I can to, to try to help you to get back onto this, to the path that I want you on. Mm -hmm. Now, would I disown you and never speak to you again? And I wouldn't do that. Um, because in the end, you'll always be, my daughter will always love you. You know, I'll mm -hmm. be disappointed in you, <laughs> but I wish you weren't that way. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And I wouldn't pretend to be okay with it either, mm -hmm. you know, but I wouldn't like disown you and never speak to you again or that kind of thing. I would make double my efforts, triple my efforts to help you back onto the correct path yeah. or what I consider the correct path. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What impact do you want to leave on your children? Well, um, my main goal is to make my children, um, well, a few things. One, self-sufficient so that they don't need me or anybody else, right? I want them to be able to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to take care of themselves anywhere they find themselves in the world. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's my my goal. So I feel I'm hoping that that's where I've got them, I'm, I'm getting them to, right? Mm -hmm. um, I want them to have a fear of God and have a strong faith. And I want them to use that faith to help them make their decisions in life, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel if they stay on that path, then they will... Nine times out of ten, they'll make the right decisions, right? Mm -hmm. They won't veer on to making bad decisions for themselves, right? So my uh, my goal for my kids is that they be self-sufficient and successful and happy people and that they have they be people of strong faith. Mm -hmm. And that they, with that strong faith comes that they will always support their people, whether it be the Palestinian people in specific or Arab people in general or Muslim people even go bigger, right? Mm -hmm. And then humanity as well, right? Mm -hmm. So so they would be good human beings, right? Who care about all humans and who care about, you know, not and, and that they also care about their own people as well. Whether mm -hmm. those people be Arabs, Palestinians, Muslim, you know. So that's, those are the, uh, there's a few things that I would consider if they, if they become that kind of people, then I think I've done a good job and I think that they are, they're, they're in the right place, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, that's it. Thank you, Mama, for taking your time out to participate in this interview. I'm going to go interview Bob and Mom. All right, good luck. Okay, so I'm guessing you overheard the interview between Mama. Yeah, so this interview is for my society project in history. Um, my teacher will be hearing this, but probably just my teacher, um, maybe. Uh, so first question, what social issues do you care about? Hmm. Um. And I'll clarify this now because mama didn't realize what mm -hmm. I meant by this when I said this. I mean global social okay. issues, uh. globally. Yeah, globally, definitely things like the environment mm -hmm. and caring about the environment is one important thing. But also um, injustice, mm -hmm. inequity, um, uh, poverty, 
disparity between the poor and rich. Yeah. Uh, these are very important things. Yeah. Um, what social issues are most important to you? Why? Definitely injustice and um, and oppression. Mm. Is there any specific examples? Yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah, definitely. It's just because that's our history, our background. We care about what's happening in in Palestine and the, the oppression and that. Uh, Palestinians are facing mm -hmm. uh, is is not that different from what the South African faced during the days of apartheid, where mm -hmm. they were in their own homeland and they were treated as subhumans. Um, mm -hmm. They uh, um, um, they didn't have any rights mm -hmm. even in their own native land. And the same thing is happening with Palestinians. This is something mm -hmm. that's happened before and it's continuing to yeah, happen. Yeah, because, because there's uh, systematic racism and oppression. And situations like this still haven't really been stopped. No, no. I mean, we... I mean, it was, it was very um, uplifting to, to, to see the collapse of the, the apartheid system in South Africa and it it had to come from the, the people themselves they they, they tried mm -hmm. hard but they had limited means but it had to to, to uh, uh, come from the globe from from people around the globe from the the, the people who care about uh, justice and equal rights and human rights and that what pushed the governments who kept this apartheid system in, in place that supported it, like other countries, mainly mm -hmm. the Western countries, that um, kept it alive. And when the people rose, the, the, the people in these countries rose against that apartheid system and they pressured their governments, we, see, we saw a result. What's encouraging that we saw something similar where that, that, hold on on that single narrative of what's happening in, in Palestine that is dictated by the oppressor um, and uh, the as forced on the media here uh, it's people are rejecting it and they're looking for other sources more objective for sources um, sources that are uh, um, based on the, um, the, the um, views of all parties, not only a single party. Mm. And, and they're making their opinions based on facts as opposed to based on tainted views forced by only one, one side. Uh, yeah, it's probably definitely something that's changed over time before, like, you were only given one source, and that's kind of the source that you would follow. Like, they never show two sides of the party, or it's two, uh, two sides of the issue. It was always kind of the stronger side, and then, you know... So there's the... the, the 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 power that 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 
one side has for the influence that they have for that that um that is controlling the narrative and 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 basically tainting the the, the victim as the aggressor mm-hmm. and that's that's what's what's so infuriating that it's the victim the, the people who were mm, kicked out of their lands and and they we've been living under occupation for 70 over 70 years and they are not treated as equal for 70 years and they they uh, are still being portrayed as as the aggressors and the people who committing all these atrocities are are painting themselves as the victims and the media is 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 uh, uh, not questioning it is taking it at face value mm-hmm. and they 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 have these phrases a clash a clashes between equals but there's no there are no equals there are people who are defending with their bare hands and and maybe sticks and stones versus the the fourth strongest army in the world so that's mm-hmm. not clashes this yeah. is someone is oppressing a, a people oppressing a, a, a another people that's mm-hmm. that's a, that's reality yeah. um things like it's complicated no it's not complicated it's an occupation people come in from countries they 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 lived there most of their life and just because of their ethnicity, they decide one day I want to go and live in a land that doesn't belong to me, and I'm gonna kick people who the natives who who live there, and claim it my own. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the type of oppression that the 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 the, the, the Palestinians living under, and this is the narrative or the story that's not being told. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do in response? You know, like, how do you help? We're trying to be active in social media, not, not, I mean, there's, there's, even the social media, there's a lot of, a lot of bias. I mean, mm-hmm. the stories that being portrayed in Ukraine, for example, there's no censorship, they're portrayed as heroes. And when, when activists try to, to not, Put a commentary just to, to show reality, show videos of real, real things happening. They're being censored by companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is also trying to to to, to censor. So we're trying to. I mean, for example, I'm I'm not a Facebook person, but definitely trying to be active in Twitter, trying to be active socially, voice mm-hmm. our opinion, trying to donate to 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 to, to the people there to. to the poor because there are a lot of suffering and we're trying to donate to these people because they are suffering mm-hmm. this is this is a, a, a real life story where a, a store owner i just heard it just a few minutes ago store owner then being pressured by the israelis to sell his store because he's a palestinian living in jerusalem they offered him 40 million dollars and he cannot make a living but he's refusing to sell his his store mm-hmm. because it means that selling his store, selling his history. This is his his uh, um, father, grandfather, and ancestors owned for a long for hundreds of years, and 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 he's being offered obscene 
amounts to 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 sell her store, and he's still sta uh, uh, standing standing uh, uh, and and against this and 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 prayer and trying to 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 uh, um, uh, resist the temptation to sell and 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 he's suffering because of it and and this is these are the people who would like to support and and yeah. yeah um how does it play a role in your daily life well i mean we're try to be aware try to be uh, in tune of what's going on always try to, to find out what's going on and try to um find ways to help it in, in, in the simple ways we can i mean it's very hard to um, support him in in other ways other than just trying to 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 um, uh, uh, educate people here about really what's going on and mm -hmm. to be more uh, uh, active in in in. Uh, disseminating their, their their views, their messages, the 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 reality of what's going on, but also financially supporting them. But in like in every day, our impact is like unfortunately, other than just trying to be aware of what's going on through the the, the alternative news, definitely not the mainstream mainstream news, but also through social special type of social media. And trying to um, um, be active in the on 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 the social media to 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 uh, communicate their messages, and then that uh, that's it. That's about it. How it's impacted. It it is frustrating. It is depressing uh, to see oppression and not being able to do anything about it. Um, and it it affects us, but we try to. To, to think about it is this is the struggle like this needs resilience like mm -hmm. other people it took them hundreds of years sometimes to 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 get uh, to get over and and uh defeat this this oppression and the Palestinians also there they have to have the patience they have to have the resilience mm -hmm. um my next question was uh, like how does this issue make you feel but uh, you know you kind of already answered sure. that and like it, issues like this it, even though you're not in Palestine right now it definitely still has a toll on you and so like, it definitely does like seem to impact your character or like it's on your mind like you know yeah, yeah definitely it's like when I see these images and I don't see that the outrage from the rest of the world it it, it is depressing but also it's it's kind of it makes you doubt that people care that that even have doubts about humanity itself but on the other hand you still see a lot of examples of people who have no tie to that land that are extremely passionate and actually one of them there was a 
19th year anniversary of Rachel Corey. She's from Seattle. She's an American born here, has no tie whatsoever to the land, but she believed in the, in, in, in the cause and went to, to Gaza to, to, to protest. And she was protesting the demolition of a home, of a Palestinian home, and the, and the, uh, the Israeli uh, soldier who, who was driving that, that, that machine, uh, the heavy machine just drove over and killed her. She died fighting for someone else's cause. That gives me hope that there is still uh, mm -hmm. people who care. Mm -hmm. Um, how has like the Israeli has it personally affected you? You know, like in your life. I, I mean, I personally, uh, my parents were born in Nazareth, and now it's called Nor Northern Israel. I, unless I had, until I had that U.S. citizenship, I wasn't able to go and see. And I was not allowed to even visit, mm -hmm. um, let alone go back to the land where my parents, my, my parents and grandparents owned. My parents and grandparents were kicked out of it because of the 1948 war. And they were not allowed to go back, claim their properties, their farms, their land. Mm -hmm. And our life could have been different. I lived as a refugee for most of my life. And I did not have a, a citizenship anywhere I lived. I was considered a refugee. I didn't have, I didn't, uh, uh, I wasn't uh, uh, given the same rights as anyone else because I, I wasn't citizen of the countries I lived in. Luckily, when I came here, I was, I was able to obtain the citizenship. And, and although still, I don't think I'm treated exactly the same way, but at least I have a citizenship and, and I have rights. Um, but until then, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't have equal rights like anybody else around me. And I, uh, um, my parents suffered. They, 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 they had to uh, live in camps for a while until they managed to, to, to uh, uh, improve their state and be able to, to, to move out of the camps and, and, uh, and live in their own homes and, and they were able to raise us to, to be able to, to live this life. But there are people who are not able to do that and they still live in camps. We have two, three, even four generations of, of Palestinians living in camps and are still refugees. Mm -hmm. And some of them are relatives, so it is it impacts me. I'm trying to trying to see if we, if we can help them uh, improve. But there's so much there's limited lim limits to what how you can help. But people are suffering just because of this. Mm -hmm. Um. So one of the reasons you are so involved is because you are someone who's personally affected. You know, people are personally affected. Um, do you think your stance on the issue would change if you're born in a position where you're not affected? Or not I mean, personally? it's possible. It's, it's possible. Um, but I mean, to me, it's a black and white. This is a real, uh, uh, I mean, there's no, no complexity. It's, it's, it's a 
people being oppressed, being being deprived of their basic human rights. So it doesn't matter that I am, I have that background. In anyone, doesn't even if they they don't have that background, it should be clear to them. It should be obvious to them that this is there. There are no complexity. There's no. Mm, uh, this has been going on for a thousand years. No, it's not. It's been going on only for 70 years and, and, and should be clear to everyone. It should not ever have impacted anyone, whether they, they are, uh, connected to it or they are born outside of that, uh, from that context of, mm-hmm. of, of occupation. Um, this one's also kind of about how you're, Parents and feelings that they were forced out of Palestine. Um, and you kind of already answered this, like, how did it impact you as you grew up? How do you think it would have been different if they weren't um, forced out? Um, I mean, if they... So, if they were not forced out, okay, There are two sides of it, okay. Assuming that the thing still happened, the mm-hmm. that that decision that the, the to create a a a, a, a Israel in nineteen forty eight in a land that was occupied by Palestinians, if this did happen and it still I was still there, I was probably I would have a little bit more rights, but not a lot because the Palestinians who stayed there are not treated equally and they are even not even second, probably third or fourth uh, uh, class citizens. They're not afforded the same rights like uh, and everybody else. They're oppressed there. So maybe it won't be, no, won't be as bad as the refugee, but if that same structure is still existed, you will still suffer. Mm-hmm. Now, assuming that this whole thing didn't exist and, and, and Palestinians lived in their own country, yeah, absolutely, then life would have been completely different. I wouldn't have been tainted by this, this image of being a refugee and that have to always justify my existence, almost have to explain why I am who I am, because you tell someone I am a Palestinian, they have no idea who you are and where you come from. Um, or even worse, they always assume that the, 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 the stereotypical narrative of, of their oppressors and that mm-hmm. they're forced on them. So it's it definitely would have been a different life. Uh, mm-hmm. Um what do you want most in the end of all of this? Like your ideal outcome? Justice. Justice. And peace. Yeah. But peace without justice is meaningless. Peace mm-hmm. without justice is oppression. You can create peace by oppressing people up to a point, but humans, they cannot just live with oppression. So you have to create justice first in order to achieve peace. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could clarify anything on the topic, like the whole world could heal, hear you right now, what would you say? It's occupation. It's, it's, it is the occupation. It's the loss of 
people's basic human right to live in dignity, to live in freedom, to live on their own land, to be able to take advantage of their own resources as opposed to being uh, uh, um, these all of their resources, whether it's land, whether it's wealth, whether it's any, anything that the land offers, being uh, stolen by an oppressor that is claiming being the victim. So that's that's basic thing. Just it's simple. It's occupation. Now these questions have to do with like culture. Uh, how would you feel if I started writing hijab? If I consistently prayed five times a day? If I was fluent in Arabic? You know. I, I mean, it's the end of the day. These are personal decisions. I mean, this is. Our culture, definitely that's how I grew up with. Although not all my sisters started wearing the, the, the hijab, but they, they wore the hijab after they were convinced themselves. Um, they, they didn't start praying, but they, they prayed after they, were, they, they uh, uh, kind of believed in it. Um, so, yeah, I... I I would like it, but I'm not. It's gonna. It's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. And then I, the main thing to me is that you are a person or a smart person, as a, as my daughter or my son, for that matter. People need to see you for who you are as as an intelligent person, not how you appear. Mm-hmm. The 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 the. Uh, the content is more important than uh, the, yeah. how, how you look. The content of the character, um, your, your morals, your uh, um, beliefs is, are more important than mm-hmm. how you look. Now, um, the opposite. What if, like, I, what if I abandoned my culture? If I got piercings or tattoos, started drinking... I started in port. I quit Debka. I abandoned Islam. You know, I that's just not, totally. That's absolutely. It's gonna be very devastating because I, I believe in 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 uh, in these beliefs because I know. I I see the people who around me who share the same beliefs. They're good human beings they they don't cheat they don't all these morals that i like uh, i see people exhibit because they because it's belief i want to see it in my children i want them to be good human beings mm-hmm. that that um exhibit these 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 characteristics of, of just being a decent human being they don't mm-hmm. do bad things do not i mean that these are these are very important mm-hmm. Um, this is the last question. What impact do you want to leave on your children? I want to make sure that that uh, they know that we really, really care about them. They care. We're willing to do anything for their future, for their uh, well-being, for 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 having a really good and prosperous lives, mm-hmm. and. Um, even when we are really tough on them, it's not actually. It's it's very frustrating when we are trying to push them to do things, but we do it because we believe that this is gonna make them better human beings. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I, wanna, I want them to 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 uh, to be better than us. That's mm-hmm. a key thing. I mean, anything that's good that they see, they they, they need from us as parents. They need to at least emulate or do better. Definitely, if they see bad things, they they we want them to 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 do better. And and yeah. uh, but we're trying to 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 make sure that they they always uh, uh, have everything that they need so that they can grow productive, prosperous, mm-hmm. successful uh, people. Well, that's all I had for you. Okay. Thank you, Baba, Thank for you. this interview. During this episode, I'd asked if my parents believed they would still be as passionate about Palestine if they weren't Palestinian. I'm writing the script before I'm writing the script before I hear their answer, but I'm guessing I'm going to guess that they hoped that they would be as involved. I say hope because of course we never know for sure what would happen. I feel that this question was important to bring up because I know that they are so passionate about Palestine because of its effect it had on them, the people they care about, and their home. I bring it up because I know that there are not as many people speaking out about the issue because it doesn't involve them. Some people speak out about the issue because they have empathy. They they know what it feels like to be oppressed. What is it? Uh, what is it? Why does it feel like that's what's needed for people to stand up for a cause? It's beautiful to see the unity between all these different groups of people, especially after being divided for so long. But what allows the those with privilege to just ignore everything that is going on in the world? How are so many white people able to just watch the suffering of billions of people of color and be okay with it? Or completely just ignore it. During the Holocaust, Americans sympathized with the Jewish people. And that's mainly because most looked and passed off as white people. Which caused discomfort. Because now white people are seeing themselves in a position of oppression. Even now the crisis in Ukraine has has only gotten as much attention as it has because it focuses on the oppression of white people. Reporters can't can't cover the topic without mentioning this crisis, how this crisis is different than other wars and genocides going on in the world, because it only matters when it happens to the refined and righteous white people of the world. But the decades of unjust killings of a wide range of people of color can be overlooked because they're not educated like white people, they're not refined like white people, because they don't own BMWs like white people. In my neighborhood, many of my neighbors have put up the Ukrainian flag or streamers to match the color. And it makes me angry. I hate that I feel this way, but I can't help it. It might be more envy rather than anger, but still, whenever I see the flags, I just feel resentful. Because why do they get to have all this support, all this sympathy, while everyone else in the world, while everywhere else in the world, people are left to suffer? The people that I love are not ruthless barbarians or unreformed heathens. They are people, human beings. My dad has told me has told this to me before, but our people don't just deserve peace, they also deserve justice. It feels like Ukraine deserves justice, but they don't deserve it more.